if you have any good coach and you ask a question expecting a, a very specific kind of answer, um, you know, any good coach that I know of would easily say, or they should say, like, it depends, right? It's Welcome to State of Health Podcast. This is your host, J-Mart. On this podcast, I will share my knowledge and experience as a personal trainer and health coach and talk about my interests and experiments in physical training, nutrition, and other lifestyle factors involved in health. On this episode of the podcast, I'm joined by Ian McLeod, also known as Stoke Mobility on Instagram. After hearing my State of Health podcast episode with Wes Hendricks, Ian reached out to have a conversation about health span and longevity. As a 16-year veteran in the fitness industry, including opening his own world-class training facility, Nirvana Strength in Bali, Ian has a lot of insight on how to take a holistic approach to training with the goal of longevity. A key insight shared by Ian was to think of your health and longevity goals in the same way as your competition or performance goals. Have a target in mind of what you want your health to look like and break it down to individual achievable steps to work toward. We also discussed injuries and how to mitigate them, how Ian himself keeps his body mostly pain-free. We talked about the importance of cultivating a deep sense of awareness of your body and the need for an additional outside perspective on your movement quality from a coach's eye. I really enjoyed this conversation and I think you will get many useful tips about your personal health journey by listening in. If you like this podcast and want to hear more from me, then head over to jmartfit.substack.com and hit subscribe. By the way, if you'd really like to help out, please rate the podcast on Spotify or Apple Podcasts or hit like if you're watching on YouTube. And of course, sharing with someone else who might enjoy listening also goes a long way. Okay, no further delays. Let's listen in. Hello, friends and fam. This is J-Mart, and we've got another episode of State of Health. And our special guest today is Ian McLeod, also known as Stoic Mobility on Instagram. Ian, welcome to State of Health. Thank you for asking to come on. Yeah, thank you for having me. Um... Looking forward to having this conversation with you, and uh, yeah, even just your the title of your podcast, I really, I really like. Uh, I think the state of health is the, is a very important topic that needs to be discussed. Yeah, let's do it. Let's discuss it. Um, so maybe before I guess we do that, let's give the listeners a little bit of a background about you. Uh, would you mind just kind of uh, talking a little bit about your? Uh, uh, the time you spend in the fitness industry, I think uh, you mentioned you've been in the industry for 16 years. So give us like a brief description of what that 16 years has been like. Yeah. Uh, plus or minus, you know, I, I'm originally from the USA and so we're really big into team sports. So I've been playing uh, like, for example, American football for uh, quite a long time from middle school all the way through um, university days. Um, and during that time, it was all about bigger, stronger, faster. So it's just, uh, about explosiveness, power, and just getting really strong. But I was also um, very lacking in kind of my flexibility and mobility during that time. Um, and then it shifts over into you know continue coaching in the in the football world and uh, start shifting into more body composition training. So you're you know, what your typical personal trainer would do. Mm-hmm. Uh, and from there, just you know, did a little bit of CrossFit stuff. Um, Eventually Did you ever do any body composition, uh, uh, like uh, bodybuilding uh, competitions? Yeah, so I did. I did one as um, as a as an experience uh, to kind of see what that 
whole process is like. Um, that got me down to like my lowest weight uh, that I had been basically since uh, middle school. Um, I was about 76 kgs. Um, so I don't remember what that is in pounds. But um, but yeah, I was I was really lean because my university mm-hmm. days I was at my at my heaviest at about 110 kilos, um, and so just a kind of vast difference between the two. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like 165, yeah, so, 170 pounds. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So then, um, yeah, after that, I started shifting towards uh, gymnastic strength training and calisthenics. Um, then combining that with getting into mobility and flexibility training, I. You know, I worked at a PT studio and managed that for a little while. But then um, for the last six years, I opened and founded a gym in Bali called Nirvana Strength. Um, I thought it was a, it was a great uh, facility. And the, the aim was basically to uh, create a space and an environment that helped people with their transition. Um, and that's one of the big things that we'll, we'll probably talk about with regards to um, kind of the behavioral side and having a good environment support system that actually helps support uh, bigger transitions in life. Mm-hmm. Um, then now, actually, very recently, um, I've started shifting away from the having the actual brick and mortar. Um, I'm no longer over there at Nirvana Strength, um, just really focusing on doing international workshops and uh, trying to actually go out and, and get to people as opposed to waiting for them to come. I'm all the way out to Bali. Mm-hmm. Okay, very cool. Thank you for that uh, summary. And so, so many things to jump off on. But that last thing you said, so that you're now you're doing these workshops. Could you tell us, like, what is the aim of these workshops? I know one of the things you you were talking to me about in the email is about turning fitness professionals more health oriented, more into health coaches. Is that part of kind of like the focus of what these workshops are about? Yeah, it's. It's, well, with regards to like whatever their their particular interests are, so like um, yesterday I did uh, a, I did a small like ninety minute uh, kind of pop up class here in Istanbul, and um, the entire audience are yogis or yoga practitioners. Um, so they're they're not necessarily you know in their world they're not really talking with like clients on a one to one basis. Typically, it's more of a group class kind of thing, and. And, and yoga in, in itself can be uh, an entire, you know, lifestyle. Um, and, and there's a philosophy to it, depending on, you know, which um, style of yoga you participate in and, and who your teachers are, like you might go certain paths. But yeah, there is generally a very holistic approach to health in, in the yoga world, which that idea of like holistic practices, um, I think, everybody should kind of go down that route when they're thinking about health, wellness, longevity, um, because, you know, there, every aspect of your, of your daily life is going to have an impact on, um, you know, how your training is, how you're feeling, everything for me on the, on both the physical side, you know, even mental side, really, I think everything kind of falls under stress management. Um, so for understanding like the basic idea of like how the body works, you know, the more you stress the body in a, in a positive way, um, you provide opportunities to adapt and get stronger. Um, so, you know, taking that idea and that concept, you can apply it to a lot of different ways. Mm-hmm. Okay. 
So you're you're personalizing the workshops to whatever the yeah, interests of the people are. Yeah, that's yeah. that's important. Like right, we do that for 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 our clients when we're training them one on one to based on their goals. That makes sense to apply that on a workshop level as well. Yeah. So most most of the workshops tend to be um, focused on a combination of um, integrative mobility, um, active flexibility, and um, handstands. Mm -hmm. um, all the training that I do with my clients is essentially range-based uh, strength training. Mm -hmm. um, so I look at flexibility as being that end range, both short and long positioning uh, strength training, the integrative mobility work as more joint-orientated strength training. Um, mm -hmm. That, that would typically what you would find mostly in like uh, rehabilitation um, kind of exercises, um, mm -hmm. and then full, and then full range um, like strength or muscular training. Mm -hmm. um, I think those things are really important, um, and it's a, I found it to be a very nice uh, approach. Mm -hmm. um, and then with regards to long, longevity, you know, there's uh, in the industry as a whole, there's a lot of focus on cardiovascular health and, and muscle mass as, you know, very important components to staying healthy in the long term, which, which they are. Um, I'm not, I'm not saying that they're not. Um, but I do think that, you know, other, other issues that we tend to have growing up or growing up as we get older, uh, are like joint issues. So you have like a connective tissue, um, issue at the joints. Yeah, damage. Um, range of motion uh, problems as far as quality life goes. Um, mm -hmm. If you look at what is the typical way that people get injured. So in, in exercise and weight training, we see a lot of injuries in the lengthened position of the muscle or of a movement, um, the eccentric phase of, of a movement um, mm -hmm. under too much lower intensity. So mm -hmm. either they just don't have the range or, you know, they just the, the weight or whatever um, intensity they're using is too great for the range that they're working. Mm -hmm. And so I do find that with regards to longevity, there is one side of like improving performance, which I think is very important, but also we need to work on mitigating um, the risk and possibility of injury. Um, and I think if you take a very proactive performance kind of, emphasized approach to that side as well. Um, yeah, it, it's, it's better for the, for the long term of the individual. So you're, you're talking about, uh, taking almost like a competitive approach to improving your longevity. Is, is that kind of the idea you're talking about? Yeah, okay. I think so. I think this is a good way to think about it. Um, there's, so how would you do that? Um, so I, so like men, men, like if you think about it in a sense that um, we're, we're constantly trying to improve ourselves to become a better version of ourselves. So if you look at it the other way with regards to like, okay, in the future, there's like this, this person that I should be. Um, mm. And let's say theoretically anything less than that. So where I am now is a, a lesser version or, you know, possibly even an, an injured version of my optimal self. Um, and so when I think about training, you know, a lot of us, especially when we're thinking about being at, at a competitive level, um, 
when when athletes are in the off season and they're performing their training regimen um they're not they're not looking to injure themselves and typically most most athletes only injure themselves during um highly competitive situations where they're being asked to perform at 100% or even like beyond you know what they would normally do in their training sessions so in those situations the the risk is is very high because this, the um the intensity and and everything that they're performing are at incredibly high levels um high forces colliding too yeah but they're not doing that every single day year round um if you look at it from a perhaps a an olympic athlete like training perspective versus a sports athlete perspective um you know olympic athletes typically there's not a large population of them that coaches can pull mm-hmm. from and the preparation is over you know quite a few years minimum you know let's say minimally at least four um but some of them are obviously preparing for you know eight twelve twenty years whatever um, versus a sports athlete where it's like, if you're not performing now, you're going to automatically be replaced some, by somebody else. So, you know, they're a lot of times are expected to train and try to perform even through massive levels of like discomforts and, and injuries. So there's a, there's a lot of self-sacrifice to perform, um, because the competition is so high, um, on a physical level, but also because there's so many people trying to uh, get into that world. But in the in the normal world where there's no sports and just me as an individual, um, you know, I can't I can't run my body into the ground because I can't just replace parts like if it was a car. Um, like I'm going to have to live with these parts for the rest of my life. And there is a when you think about long, we have to think about the long term. Right. Um, mm-hmm. I think this when it goes back to like, let's say having proper technique, especially for really heavy, um, like loads or weight is that, um, it's this idea of accumulation, right? Where it's, you know, you may be able to get away with relatively bad technique when we're young and, um, you know, we're highly adaptable and we can recover from things very easily. But if you do that over, you know, five years, 10 years, 15 years, at some point, um, you know, it's going to be the the cam the straw that broke the camel's back kind of situation where you just keep accumulating bad bad reps um, over that long period of time, and then just one day you're going to do something where it just like maybe your back gives out or your knee gives out. And if if someone does play like a competitive sport, maybe not at a professional level, but you know are are active in that manner, I would encourage them to even look at what are the what are the typical injuries that are experienced playing that sport or that activity and not just accepting them as normal parts of normal things to expect as far as participating in that sport. It's those consider them as being normal or um, highly probable injuries that may come along with the sport. But what are the things that you're doing to mitigate the possibility of that happening to you? Um, mm-hmm. I think those are taking that proactive approaches. I think it's really quite important. Uh, absolutely. That should definitely be one of the major goals, uh, of the supplementary training that you're doing for the, um, 
at like the activity that that or sports whatever you're performing let's say just a regular person i always recommend for i think ultimate fulfillment and for consistency and for actually sticking to something you find an activity that you enjoy doing that could be a team sport that could be a martial art that could be a solo sport whatever it is and you enjoy doing that that's your why that's your fun activity that you do but then like you said when you do that there's a lot of repetitive movement that could lead to injury and so the additional training you sh you should have an additional movement practice i like to call it a daily movement practice that supports that fun activity that you do and making sure that you're doing the things you're talking about in your workshops like uh active uh, uh mobility um you know end range uh, flexibility all these things are going to be so vital for making sure that the connective tissue is ready and resilient to meet the high demand in the in the sport like you were talking about that's the that's the greatest opportunity for injury to occur when you're putting your body through these maximal uh intensity situations um and i like the idea that you talked about for having this this image of what you're building up to right like you said like that's what they do for olympic training they have a four eight maybe 12 year cycle of what they think the ultimate peak that they're going to get to at the end of this cycle yeah. and they build up to it year by year, cycle by cycle, you could apply that same thing for longevity. You could imagine yourself maybe as an 80-year-old, 70-year-old. You could have some sort of idea for each decade, maybe 50, 60, 70, 80, yeah. and uh, certain skills or activities that you want to be able to maintain for each of those age groups or age categories and what would be the things that you would have to be able to do now in order to maintain that ability into those late decades. I really love that idea of kind of planning for the future and then working back and uh, kind of breaking it down into smaller goals and then working up towards that. Yeah, um, I think that, you know, when we, when we think about even, let's say the idea of setting these goals, um, there's certain normal normalized expectations as to, you know, what um, a 60-year-old should be able to do or an 80-year-old should be able to do. Even when you go to the doctors, you know, let's say you get to being, there's obviously um, certain age brackets they're going to kind of compare your results to. Um, but I always found it a little bit um, odd that, you know, though we've, in this kind of modern time, we've been able to expand our lifespan, the, the health span, um, you know, the quality of our life during that time period hasn't really improved very much or very well. Um, so, you know, I would encourage people to even kind of rethink the idea of like, oh, uh, you know, my doctor says I'm healthy for my age group, you know, why not, why not actually try to make it so that you're healthy, you're so Period. healthy that you should actually be, yeah, you should actually be healthy for, you know, 20 year old when you're like 60. Um, they've got some interesting tests out there that people can take with regards to like, seeing um how quickly their body is aging there's like these like cell testing um kits that you can get and then there's mm -hmm. also yeah even the idea of like what is your you know maybe you're 40 years old um as far as like your actual age but you can actually see like what this what the age of your like your cells are um and like kind of compare um you know what's the actual health age of your body Mm -hmm. Those are cool. I also like doing the actual like 
strength tests, or even some simple ones like the, uh, um, like the sit down, sit up test, you know, that one where you, yeah. if you can sit down without touching the ground with, with your hands and knees and then stand back up in a similar way without needing to touch your, uh, touch the ground with hands and knees, then you get like yeah. a per perfect score out of 10. And the people who can score a 10 have a much, uh, higher, like, uh, like likelihood to, you know, increase their lifespan as opposed to normal. I, I don't remember the exact details of, uh, what the statistics are actually, but like there, that was a really important test that, that, that you could, you could do, but also grip strength is highly associated with longevity as well. So like just being able to do like a one to two minute, two minute dead hang, like that's a really good test for, for longevity. Can you do that? Cause if you can't, then, uh, that's an easy thing to start working towards. Yeah. And yeah. And, and with regards to like training, mobility, flexibility work, um, you know, I always get asked a lot, like, you know, how much do I actually need? Uh, how flexible do I need to be? Um, and, and most people, it's, you know, not really that much. What I, what I always like to tell people is always obviously relative to what activities you want to participate in. Um, mm -hmm. And so it's, it's, let's say if you, you know, have a particular um, activity that doesn't actually require a large range of motion, um, you know, you need enough flexibility to be able to perform the movements necessary for your activity, which I think mm -hmm. is, a, is a given. Um, but with regards to uh, injury mitigation, um, we'd actually want a, a surplus because we want to be able to account for the unexpected. Um, and so anybody who's ever played competitive sports or has to try to perform a movement at, you know, a hundred percent maximal, they do understand that the the risk of something going wrong is actually quite high. Um, and it's just when you're performing simple movements under high uh, intensity, um, that's where, you know, obviously you have injury risk. So, you know, you'll see Olympic athletes that, um, you know, obviously they've, they've been practicing these two movements for multiple years and in a competition, they may, you know, something may go wrong and uh, maybe they overshoot on like a snatch, you know, with the weight and the weight ends up kind of getting behind them. You know, you have examples of, of, you know, either you completely miss the, the weight or the lift um, or you try to save it at that top position. And in doing so um, you either are successful, but you injure yourself or you're unsuccessful and you injure yourself. Um, or probably the best state would be like you are successful in correcting for that mistake and you're completely fine. Um, yeah. And even for like a normal person, if I think of like, you know, you're walking the streets and you turn your ankle, which is a very common thing to do. Um, you know, I've there was a, a cross CrossFit level three coach that I knew um, and he just he missed one step and he just and he, he blew out his ankle um you know tore everything and the the idea of that kind of situation is that the body is just not properly prepared to to handle the the challenge that life kind of presented him um mm -hmm. so in that last case scenario where you're describing them like correcting and not being injured that's not going to happen by accident you know you have to have built up the range that extra range and the capacity to take on extra load in that extra range for that option to be to present itself otherwise it's 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 just not going to happen 
Yeah, for sure. And and I think for the for the average person that doesn't play competitive sports or doesn't do um, sports at all, and maybe they just want to do the the fitness part to just help help ensure a greater health span and the longevity of their life. Um, the the challenges that we inherently face are just things from our daily life. You know, um, right now I'm, I'm walking through quite a lot of uh, cities in Europe and you know now in, in Turkey, but even trying to dodge like people riding bicycles, like that kind of thing, or it's like slippery outside, you know, because it's been raining. And, you know, one of the kind of analogies that I would give some people is like, let's say you're, you know, walking in a supermarket and, you know, you slip on a banana and it for life forces you to do a split, you know, um, these kind of like daily life kind of injuries are, are yeah. much more common. Um, getting up and out of a toilet, like down and up, like that's yeah. a common thing for people that, you know, yeah. they struggle with and it could be a place where like something goes wrong and injury occurs. Right. Yeah. So that's the, why we squat. The yeah. And the, and the training, so the training that we do is what should inherently prepare us for the challenge, the unexpected challenges of life. Um, and, and those things are, um, you know, we don't really think about perfect technique when we're trying to like, you know, try to pick up our kids or, um, you know, playing with our dog, you know, there's going to be a lot of things that we don't really think about in the moment of, you know, thinking of that kind of situation. Um, but, you know, if we tweak our back, then, you know, these are also things to consider with regards to like how you respond to these things. Because in America, you know, it's very common. We're obviously very big into the opioids and, and, and taking pills and kind of, we're kind of notorious for that. And, um, you know, we're, we're really big into pain mitigation or pain, uh, management through just dealing with like symptoms. Yeah. It's, it's a lot of, a lot of pill popping. And, um, you know, I think there's a lot that can be done from a holistic perspective to kind of help work on those problems. Um, mm -hmm. but yeah, the medical and the medical industry is kind of built around, um, essentially waiting until after the fact that you're injured. So it's not very mm -hmm. preventative in nature. Mm -hmm. And also it's very geared towards acute problems and dealing with just pain management, um, mm -hmm. as opposed to actually working with the body to try and correct itself. So I think fitness professionals like with regards to helping like from a pain management, stress management perspective and health coaching can be very helpful because a lot of us are very much on the front lines dealing with clients on a daily basis. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I really like what you said there. We are the frontline uh, people who interface with, with the community and kind of see what their body is doing day to day. And, you know, it, it, it doesn't, most often it doesn't happen overnight that someone is so bad that they don't need to go see a doctor, right? It, it's an accumulation of, th of things going wrong. That, that, and if that person is seeing a health coach, then per perhaps that person can intervene and prevent uh, that from you know, getting worse to the point where they do need to go see a medical doctor and get some you know, prescription for pharmaceuticals to deal with just the symptoms rather than fixing the root of the problem. I, w I did want to go back to one point you made earlier and give you a little bit of pushback. Let me know what you think. You were talking about having bad technique and ultimately like with repeated bad um, reps, you accumulate, uh, you can accumulate to a point where uh, you can have like that um, last straw that broke the camel's back. 
I've been kind of uh, really thinking about this a lot recently and wondering whether really ultimately it's it's load and frequency that matter more more than technique um because you already said it human beings are amazing and we can adapt and yes yes perhaps into later like adulthood our adaptation is not quite as robust but it's still one of the key features of of having a human body is that whatever stimulus we provide it we we do adapt so is it that you're doing bad technique over a long period of time and adding up bad reps or is it that your your load is the wrong load and your frequency is too high um i think there's a combination of those things um yeah it's there's a lot of nuances into, into all these kind of components and so mm-hmm. um you know there's so if we think it's some usually like technique for me it also there's a lot of benefit in actually training there. Um, okay. So, so for example, there's, um, in, um, how the body works with the immune system, right. Is your, your immune system gets stronger as you get sick. Um, and so Mm -hmm. there is, there is a concept that like you, it's like the idea of like taking the flu shot is like you purposefully Mm -hmm. give yourself the flu so that, Mm -hmm you know, a smaller mm-hmm. version of it so that you can kind of mm-hmm. get stronger and improve. So you don't, um, you mm-hmm. kind of protect yourself from, um, mm-hmm. from getting the flu. Um, so there could be an argument to some small, de- very small degree with regards to, um, you know, purposeful use of like some kind of toxin, um, that you might be in your environment or something along those lines, um, to mm-hmm. kind of help build your, some adaptation to, to it so that right. you can the kind hormetic of effect, right? Like your body yeah. just responds. Stronger. Um, and so, yeah, you have to be obviously very careful with regards to like saying things as far as like, let's say there is positive benefit to actually training movements with uh, quote unquote bad technique. Um, or cause the idea is that um, let's say there are, there is the possibility of something going wrong. And usually the, the, when when you go wrong in a particular movement or a technique so let's say you're mm-hmm. doing a really heavy squat and you um you know you you, you don't go into a perfect technical uh, movement and you know, maybe you shift a little bit to the right or the left or maybe your background's a little bit like these are all going to be simple things that happen but the the problem that ends up happening is that um you know it's it's generally under a really, really high load, usually when mm-hmm. you see the body start kind of compensating and collapsing. Um, but the positions that we get injured in are in um, generally positions that we're not used to training. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I would say that there's actually a lot of benefit to um, being able to handle the frequency and loads at these really odd positions. Um, mm-hmm. But they just need to be. It just needs to be done in a very controlled and safe manner. Um, yeah. So very mindful. The, yeah, very mindful in, in how you how you work them, um, because at the end of the day, I, I don't I don't believe that there's inherently anything that would be considered a good movement or bad movement. So exactly. much as it, it's only it's really relative to your your the individual's tissues capacity to handle that movement mm-hmm. um and that's that's really all 
I would say with regards to like what's good or bad. Um, there are some, you know, obviously some things like on a technical level where it can be quite extremely extreme in one direction. You're like, there's, that's really bad. Um, so there's always extremes. Um, mm-hmm. I think it's somewhere in the, for sure somewhere in the middle and the, 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 the details of what you're trying to perform is, is important. And there's, I think technique is, yeah, it's, it's more specific to like, are you able to get maximal performance out of what it is you're trying to do? Um, I think, you know, there's smaller technical details that go into like, how would you properly teach a squat or a deadlift? I'm sure there's a lot of different coaches in those, in those realms that would, um, have some difference of opinion. Um, but there are some general foundational stuff that they would all agree upon. And, Mm -hmm. and I think those are the parts that need to be focused on as far as having good technique. And then when it gets into the nuances where you can kind of play around with it as far as who you're working with. Yeah. That, I think what you said makes total sense. Obviously there are certain common things that like humans are all unique, but we also have like similar things about us, right? You can just like be like, you have, we belt both, we, we have two legs, two arms, like the yeah. anatomy is yeah. kind of similar, right? <laughs> so there's kind of some yeah. things, yes. Some things that are foundational that you can help teach to get the most out of the activity, like you said. But at the same time, like if you just do a little bit of lifting and you know, never actually try to maximize the load that you're lifting, but you're consistent with your lifting, even if you have bad technique, you're never actually going to hurt yourself, right? And if you're consistent and you're consistently lifting, then maybe you're getting the benefits of actually doing the consistent lifting with bad technique. And then you actually have really good longevity because you never dared to pick up a really, really heavy weight that could have caused you to have such a bad injury that you stopped completely. Yeah, I mean, even th- there's there's always um, a degree to you know everything that we say. And um, if you have any good coach and you ask a question expecting a, a very specific kind of answer, um, you know, any good coach that I know of would easily say, or they should say, like, it depends, right? It's, it depends. Um, you know, it I, depends. I don't want to... <laughs> Yeah, I don't want to say that it's like bad technique is not going to do you any harm. Um, For me, again, it goes to that accumulation, right? So even if it's a relatively light weight, um, like so, for example, you know, we have a a really big problem, I think, now in modern society where we have a lot of, um, you know, thoracic flexion and and rounding of the shoulders, and we're kind of really Mm -hmm. stuck in this position. Um, Mm -hmm. This doesn't happen you know, over a short period of time, like it's in, it's our daily life, right? Almost everything is kind of mimicking that same position from being in the car, sitting in chairs. Um, when we lie down in bed, um, we don't really do much with regards to, um, thoracic extension and, you know, let's say training the back and, you know, working on overhead shoulder flexion. Um, you know, these are very common things. And, the the point to you can live your life with a very you know hunched back um for many of us it, it's not necessarily going to you know take necessarily take away from a lot with regards to quality mm-hmm. of life but mm-hmm. um for most people like from a postural perspective um i definitely think long term from a pain management perspective like 
there's going to be issues. It's just kind of mm-hmm. like when it's going to kind of show itself, not if. Right. Right. Um, but bad posture and 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 doing an exercise with quote unquote incorrect technique are, are a little bit different, right? Like one is like a chronic position that you're stuck in. The other one is a movement with, let's say, uh, inefficient uh, mechanics. Well, yeah, I mean, but if you're in a but if you're if you're chronically stuck in a particular position, so you don't have any thoracic extension, and you have a lot of you know rounding the shoulders and a lot of thoracic flexion, um, performing a, a back squat with good technique is is pretty much impossible. Um, Fair point. So th- there's always going to be some overlap. The things that we do in our daily life are going to spill into um, into our training. So um, you know, it's, it's like the, why do we, like, why do athletes practice, you know, like, and how you perform in practice is going to affect how you are in competition. So you can also think of like how you act and behave in your daily life is going to actually affect how you, how you train. Um, I think bringing more, bringing more mindfulness into your daily activities, um, I think can be highly beneficial to to how you train. Mm-hmm. How, what is your uh, suggestion to clients or even during workshops for how to do that, how to be more mindful and how to incorporate that into the things like physical activity? Yeah, so um you know, you when you're when you're training, it's it's a much better opportunity to be aware of like what areas you might be tight, um, what areas you might be weak, what what movements you're kind of lacking access to. Um, one of the big things in training that, especially when it comes to um, yeah, both strength and flexibility work is as you get closer and closer to whatever your maximal capacity is to perform, the body naturally wants to find the easiest way of performing the movement um, and easiest doesn't necessarily mean with uh, with the best of, of technique. It, it will always find a way to to compensate. So yeah. let's say Path for strength least resistance. Work, yeah, exactly. And so with with strength work, it's gonna you know try to access the the muscles that are stronger, or it's going to um, you know try to adjust the the limbs in a way that it it thinks will provide more. Um, output. Um, and so a really putting a really big focus on trying to be aware of how your body's trying to compensate and mm-hmm. at what intensities and what positions, um, mm-hmm. because these are all, it's giving you a lot of information that allows you to make adjustments into your, in your, to your training regimen. Um, and so with regards to like things like flexibility, it's, you know, you're, you're, generally, your body doesn't really understand why you're trying to do anything. Um, it just knows that for some reason you're trying to perform a movement or an action, and it's deemed necessary some for some reason. Um, and so, as you get deeper into some flexibility kind of positions, you'll naturally see the body try to go the path of least resistance. Um, but it doesn't work on necessarily the areas that you you'd like to focus on. So if you're trying to get a proper, let's say a forward fold. Um, mm-hmm. so a forward fold, you're trying to touch your toes, you know, 
um, your body will go the, the necessary will go the path of least resistance. But um, you might, if the focus or the reason for doing a forward fold is to actually to stretch your hamstrings, um, you might work on your forward fold. But that doesn't mean your hamstrings are getting worked. Um, and so understand like what it is you're trying to accomplish, um, being aware of how your body is trying to compensate and mm -hmm. know if, if the reality of what you're doing is actually matching what your intention is. Um, if you apply this to your daily life, you know, I, I generally would encourage people like on a very small scale is like maybe every 15 minutes, bring attention to like how you're sitting you know, throughout the course of the day, particularly as you start getting fatigued, your body will start to shift into positions that just, you know, feel more comfortable or don't take as much energy to maintain. So, you know, obviously, like if you're always constantly leaning over a desk because of the body positioning that we're in, and let's say gravity is pulling us down, your body is naturally going to want to start slumping over because it's just it's just easier to hold that position. Um and it doesn't require as much strength as, as maintaining a upright posture. Mm -hmm. So um, I, the first step is always just trying to bring awareness back into what your body positioning is. What, what I mean, let's say, for example, like um, if you're working on someone with regards to nutrition, the first thing you would ask them to do is just like, you know, let's let's bring attention back to like, what are you actually eating the whole day? So. You would just yeah, take food note diary. of everything that you're consuming every single day. And because people's memories are not the best, right? They will forget the the one or two scoops of, you know, peanut butter that they just didn't even think about eating. Um, and so just bringing attention back to, like, what it is they're doing. Um, you know, this is a good technique with regards to, like, you know, let's say eating slower is – you know, bringing attention back to the food as opposed to like chewing. watching the TV screen. Yeah, chewing. Um, I, I do find that a lot of the best things for, for the average person are very simple, very mm -hmm. just being more mindful, things that don't mm -hmm. actually cost a lot of money. It's just requires a little bit more attention and focus. Yeah. I like what you said. I, I do a lot of the same things and one thing I like to bring awareness to is is the breath as well, right? I, I'm a big uh, proponent of um, incorporating breathing exercises, daily breathing exercises, and then just uh, having those moments of mindfulness where you just bring awareness back to your breath for one or two cycles and really, uh, like you're talking about, feeling out what your body position is, but just through the breathing, whether you're able to like expand your rib cage uh, as fully as possible, really breathing in through the nose, exhaling through the mouth and paying attention to all these components. I think that's a, an important and very uh, effective way of um, uh, cultivating awareness and uh, mindfulness. Another thing is just like what you were talking about is uh, applying that through when you're doing stretching. Uh, when you're When you're just kind of doing these even like very basic global stretches where you're just uh, kind of uh, moving into a position and coming out and really paying attention to what your body feels and what it's telling you. I really like to use stretching as a as an assessment tool to learn what my body's going through. 
you know, sometimes you don't really know uh, if something's uh, tight or stiff until you get into a certain position. So it's important to, you know, go in and go out of all these different uh, uh, positions that your body can get into to have an, an idea of where you're at. And, you know, you don't need a lot of time in each position to have a, an understanding of whether you're good there or whether, uh, you know, something needs a little bit more attention and more work. And then another thing uh, that kind of struck me as you were talking is really um, for developing that proprioceptive sense, right? Like that idea of like where your body is in space. I really like balance, um, single leg balance exercises, um, even just like, yeah, just balancing on one leg and then uh, taking that to the next level by practicing with your eyes closed. That, that I think is a very, very, very good method of, uh, of developing that. Yeah. And, and um yeah, it's, I do think like, I, yeah, I really like working on a lot of full range, uh, body weight exercises or just full range movements, um, with regards to strength training, um, that incorporate a stabil stabilizing component. So like these, these balance kind of things, um, or single leg movements or just unilateral, uh, movements, um, I think are, are really good, um, because there are a lot of there's a lot of use of machines in, in the fitness world right now, um, which really geared around like there's one singular like movement pattern that's basically being worked. Um, you know, obviously you can change that up quite a bit if you're, if you understand what you're doing and how to adjust the machines properly. But typically machines tend to kind of box us in into just a one kind of movement pattern. And, mm -hmm. you know, I think that, the though we can look to gain greater levels of muscle mass to help protect the body from from injury you know we end up building that muscle mass without building up the the corresponding um like strength in the tendons and ligaments and our stabilizers and mm -hmm. i think that tends to be kind of where the the bigger issue is um you know if you're if you're able to kind of find movements where you're able to combine those those parts building up the the joint health the the stabilizers as well as building up the the muscles that you're working i find for the average person that's going to be more beneficial in the, in the long term um 100 yeah and it applies um, to all sorts of training too so one little anecdote i'll tell you is uh the first time i tried uh running a marathon I, uh, I trained pretty hard for it and I got my cardiovascular system to be quite capable of, of being able to run the marathon, but I didn't yeah. have enough time to prepare. So my tissue composition was not nowhere near close to being able to actually do it. So, uh, mm. I had a couple of soft tissue injuries, knee and ankle. Uh, so like, uh, I couldn't actually finish the, the, the race. I, I, I did three quarters of it, but I, I had to stop because I was doing too much damage mm. and yeah, that can apply both for like lifting heavy weights and for, for like, you know, doing long distance running. Right. Yes. It's uh, the long distance thing. Um, I've never, I've never personally been a big fan of doing long distance running. Um, I'm not a, I'm not a long distance kind of guy, but, um, but yet, um, you know, being able to, and I think it's like setting proper expectations for the individual and like what the actual like preparation is, because there are some people that are just like, you know, they'll be inactive for a very long period of time. And then just think they can just go up and, you know, run, a, let's say even a 10K. Um, you know, I, I think that, you know, with endurance uh, act activities 
Um, same with like strength activities and also on the flexibility side is, um, you know, really understanding like how to build your body up so that it has the capacity to, to really uh, perform at those more kind of intense uh, levels. Um, and the, the idea of like what's intense or not, or what's extreme or not is always going to be relative to the individual and, and what you're, you're able to, to do and perform, um, training history. I, I have, yeah, for sure. Um, and even though, you know, I, there's a lot of things that I was able to do in my younger days. Um, you know, I can still feel like I have the confidence that I could, I could do that, but I do need to also realize that that I haven't been training in that manner for such a long period of time. I can't just expect to, um, you know, get back underneath the bench press and, and hit the, the, the high weights that I used to when I was younger. Mm -hmm. it's just, I'm just a different person than I was at that point. Right. And, and it kind of comes back to what we were talking about, right? Even if you had perfect technique, it's just the wrong load and the wrong frequency to be able to try to do that. Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, I can, and so that, that's where you can, you know, have a, uh, there's a, there's an idea in, uh, Olympic weightlifting, um, that I got from, um, my, one of my coaches, uh, he used to be one of the, on the national team for China and the, the idea of having a daily max. Um, so I think, you know, a lot of people do their programming based off of what their all time uh, one rep maxes. Um, but they have a concept of like training based off a percentage of what your theoretical, your daily max would be for that, for that particular day. And, and that the idea and concept around that is that let's say, um, let's say you didn't get good sleep and you're supposed to be training at 7% of whatever your maximal is. Um, you it's that 70% at that moment in time, uh, because you're not well rested and, you know, you maybe you're more stressed than usual or whatever things are happening in your life, that 70% is actually now like 90%. Um, you're, cause you're training with a fatigued body and now your, your risk of injury is actually really quite high. Um, I think there's this, you know, being able to understand that though you may have a, a great plan set, um, and a structure that you want to follow there's still the daily individualization that needs to be like adjustments that need to be happening relative to like what ha what's been happening in your life. Um, because yeah, if you, for some reason you just haven't slept for two days, you can't really expect to be able to perform even at, you know, 70% with really good quality, um, for an extended period of time because your body's just not going to be able to handle it. Um, so it's like setting proper expectations on, on how you feel. And that goes back to the awareness part, right? It's like, how are you feeling during your warmups? Um, mm -hmm. you know, do, it, does it feel like it's going to be a good day? And, and unfortunately for people that, well, not unfortunate, but it's just, it's more with regard, it's going to go back to your training experience. Mm -hmm. Do you actually know how to read the signals and the sign mm -hmm. and know the signs well enough to, to interpret in a way and make the proper adjustment in your program? Um, most beginners are not going to be able to do that. Mm -hmm. So yeah, if you're, if you're training for longevity, then it's important to think about the long term and how, you know, if you, if you, you want to build up this, uh, 
sensibility and ability to, to tell how your body is feeling. So if it's going to be a long-term thing, like from now till the rest of your life, then just take it easy, take it slow, work your way up in a, in a way that's uh, sustainable, you know, progressively overload. That's still very important. You need to slowly increase the intensity, but it, it doesn't yeah. need to be a jump from zero to a hundred in like a week. Right. No, I mean, strength adaptations happen quite fast. Um, I think though, the thing that people don't realize in that process is that the, the adaptations and the tendons and ligaments just take longer. Mm. And you, you do find that when a lot of people are dealing with like tendonitis issues, that there's some imbalance there that needs to be addressed. Mm -hmm. Um, this was and... actually a case with a friend of mine recently. He's uh, yeah. you know, a funny guy. He's trying to learn, uh, not learn, trying to get strong enough to do a uh, single arm pull up. And of course, uh, without like giving himself enough time to like actually like develop enough strength to even be able to do enough like two arm pull ups with like added weight, he just moved on to single arm like negatives and then had a bicep tendonitis. Yeah. It's like, okay, well, that could have been predicted. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, it's quite easy to see in certain regards because, you know, obviously once you go from two arms to one arm, you basically doubled the the amount of weight that you're performing and also to the movement it's pattern like more is than just double. Not, yeah the, the movement pattern is just not the same um mm -hmm. and yeah it's that and yeah that's what i was saying with regards to like the 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 actions or the the particular parts of the movement that people get more uh, are more susceptible to injury is through eccentric phase mm -hmm. um you are you have a high intensity or high, or high load, um, and you're progressively getting weaker as you shift more towards that lengthened state of, mm -hmm. of the muscle, um, typically, and then, or, and, or you are in that lengthened position with a really high, um, intensity and mm -hmm. it, that the, the small nuance to that, it's, it's like high intensity relative to, um, your body's ability to perform. So if you're, on your last set, and this is why like most people get hurt at the end of the training session as well. It's like you're highly fatigued. Um, you're still trying to do something that you were doing when you're fresh. Mm -hmm. um, it's just not gonna. It's not gonna work. You're not adjusting. Yeah, you're not adjusting. Yeah, yeah it's, it's a really good, yeah, good thing to keep in mind. Um, yeah. And so yeah, you do find that um, a lot of people tend to shy away from doing eccentrics. Um, they shy away from doing, um, like really difficult isometric holds at like the end range positions. Um, those are hard. I mean, one, one, they're very hard. Yeah. They're incredibly difficult. Um, and it's not as, um, it's not as dynamic. So I, I think maybe there's a component of like, it's just not as fun. Mm -hmm. Um, tricks are fun, you know, <laughs> um, <laughs> I think the dynamic part is it makes things exciting. It's not, yeah, it's not exciting to, to do, you know, like a four or six second negative. Um, mm -hmm. But that's where the money is. That's how you get stronger and build muscle. It is. And, um, and it's, 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 they're really difficult. They're really hard. Um, there's inherently a higher risk um, with performing those, those movements. Um, 
isometrics more with regards to that length and position. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but, and so th- this is where, I mean, having a trainer who knows what they're doing is, is very mm-hmm. helpful because again, they're, they're looking to help you get as close to your maximal, um, mm-hmm. ability to perform, but minim- minimizing and, and mitigating the possibility of a setback or, or injury. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. and regressing and yeah. progressing the, the position in a way that's appropriate to you so that you do get to that maximum capacity that you specifically are capable of. Right. And yeah, it always brings up a, a funny, um, image in my mind where, um, you have, you know, someone trying to do bicep curls with an incredible amount of weight and they have like three guys helping them do the bicep curls. <laughs> Um, because just the weight is just way too much and it's just like, well, it's not, it's not helping anybody. Um, and mm-hmm. yeah, it's, it's, I mean, it's, it's good for him to have the, the appropriate safety precautions around him. Maybe like the way those guys are there, um, which I would always encourage people to, to make sure they do, especially, um, you know, things like back squats and, and things that where the weight is actually on top of the body. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause there's always a lot of like, you know, horror stories of things that happen. Um, there's better, endless better gym to, fail videos. Yeah. Um, always better to be properly prepared for the, for the worst without, you know, having to need it, um, mm-hmm. versus, you know, being like being in a position where you need it and you just don't have it. And it doesn't really take much, right? Like even if you're, even if you're only training back squats at like 60%, you know, if you were to tweak your hamstring in the process of performing the movement is like, mm-hmm. that could be enough for, you know, where the, the weight then, um, collapses on you. So, um, I, I would always recommend like proper safety precautions, no matter what your level of training experience is. Oh yeah, for sure. Safety bars on your squat rack, everything. <laughs> yeah. 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 I've seen in, in my football days, I saw some pretty, pretty nasty, uh, injuries um that were probably very unnecessary mm-hmm. and did that like influence you in in kind of how you progressed with with your training and uh, like what you do for your own kind of personal uh, fitness for sure um yeah as we as we kind of age and get older um my biggest number one is obviously is like relative to the activities that i want to be able to do is I don't want to be in pain, you know, mm-hmm. I don't, I don't, I don't want to, um, you know, though I, I had a lot of fun during my football days, um, mm-hmm. just hitting people, um, you know, that, that stuff was, is fun and all, but, um, it wasn't, it wasn't great. Like the day after, you know, where you're just like, your body's just wrecked. Um, I, are you in pain now? No, no, everything's perfect. I'm in mm-hmm. the best shape that I've been in. Yeah. Since I was, yeah, forever. Um, you know, I'm, I'm able to, you know, I'm, I'm doing full handstands. Um, I look at, I look at handstands as a nice, like long-term, uh, activity that I can do because mm-hmm. it's very, uh, skilled based activity. And, um, it's, it's actually really good with regards to offsetting the normal, um, the normal activities of the day with regards to like our shoulders and upper back, because it requires a lot of shoulder flexion and thoracic extension. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I look at, 
I look at a particular skill and then I try to break it down into its components and see what the actual practical um, benefits of it are and how would it actually apply to other areas of my life. And then I try to train um, in that manner. Mm-hmm. So that along with, um, you know, doing full splits and backbending and, and those kind of things, um, you know, not only are those positions and those things are, are you know, kind of cool to work, but from a very practical sense, um, you don't have to be able to do a full backbend or anything like that, but actually it's the components needed to, you know, accomplish that. That's actually really more important. So you can, you can incorporate it in a way that it, it helps with no matter who you work with. Um, so Mm -hmm. that, and then, yeah, just like daily activity, you know, active sports and hobby sports, um, that I, that I participated in from here and there, uh, -hmm. here and there. And then, Oh, I'm looking to maybe do a, a big trek in, in Nepal next year. Very so that cool. would be like, yeah, I think it's like 260 kilometers over like 15 days or something. Um, oh, wow. Okay. So that one you just start preparing for. Yeah. Very cool. So what do you attribute to like your being feeling in the best shape of your life is it the, just the fact that you're working on your on your mobility so much and 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 using all these components to of of being able to do the to express your body in like these ways as a as a way to assess how things are and kind of just staying on top of them what what is what is like the key thing here so yeah just cuz uh just cuz i'm not in pain or discomfort right now doesn't mean that it doesn't come in and out a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, the The concept of, you know, there's a lot of, in the um, fitness world, sometimes you'll hear like people saying like, oh, bulletproof, bulletproof your shoulders. Um, it's like, you can do as much as you need to with regards to like mitigating the possibility of a, of a injury or discomfort. Um, but that doesn't mean that you won't get something um, like a small, you know, discomfort here and there, um, mm-hmm. depending on, you know, the things that you're trying to do. Mm-hmm. Um, the, it, it'll always be this constant process of just bringing awareness mm-hmm. back to the body. And as soon as you start feeling something, you know, try to deal with it as soon as, as soon as you can get to it and not ignore it. Right. Um, because if it's a small problem now, it's just only going to keep building because you're not addressing the issue. Um, mm-hmm. and, and you don't, want to um you want to try and do things that encourage the body to actually adapt and and improve as Mm -hmm. opposed to there's a there's a quick uh fix where you know someone is having knee discomfort the first couple things they'll do is they'll you know obviously take some kind of like pain medication but also too is that they will get like maybe a knee sleeve Mm -hmm. and they'll just put the knee sleeve on and then compress the knee as they then continue on with their normal life, but they've never mm-hmm. actually addressed the issue. Um, yeah. So just it's masked it. Always trying to figure out a way. Yeah. Figuring out a way so that you can actually address the issue instead of masking the problem. Mm-hmm. Um, now these things are beneficial in, let's say the short term. So let's say you are in the process of dress, addressing the issue, but you still need to be able to, you know, do your other kind of training. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, use the knee sleeve, use pain medication as tools to help you perform in the short term. Mm-hmm. But with regards to long term is like you need to address the problem and 
And I think that actually applies to every aspect of life is, you know, if you're, if you're, if you have a house and you got a leaky faucet, like you can, you know, tape it up, you know, for the short term, but it's like, you need to deal with it because otherwise it's just mm-hmm. going to end up being a bigger problem. Mm-hmm. I love how you said it's just this ongoing process. There's no special magic thing, right? It's just constantly using your attention as a tool to uh, direct your awareness towards your body with the goal in mind that your goal is that I want a long health span. I want to live for a long time, not feeling pain. If I am feeling pain, that's my signal. I I need to look at this. I need to pay attention to it. That's, that's, that's the secret. There is no, the, the, the problems arise when you start ignoring things, when you don't pay attention to your body, when there's signals coming in out left, right, and center, and you're just like ignoring everything and just, you know, sticking your head in the sand. (laughs) Yeah. And you find that, um, you know, it's, it's a, it's actually really good to be able to like, let's say, speak with someone who's, let's say, been a power lifter their whole life. And now they're, you know, reaching their late 40s or 50s or, you know, maybe they're in their 60s, maybe former bodybuilders that have been doing it for a really long time. And even using like the information of what kind of problems they have now um, at their old, like their age and start working on ways to mitigate those at a, at a younger stage. Um, you know, there, I do find that there's a lot of people who, um, you know, as they, as they age and get older, they just get tighter and tighter and have more tension in the body. And all these things do is just restrict the, your, your capacity to move. Mm -hmm. Um, and the more injuries you have, let's say, for example, like ankle injuries, um, you know, ankle, like turning your ankle, spreading your ankle, typically for most people that happens when the ankle gets into that inversion position, um, mm-hmm. when there's just too much weight, right. It happens in a dynamic way. And yeah. for people that have maybe have a history of turning their ankle, um, a lot of times their ankles will be very stiff because that's the mm-hmm. body's way of protecting itself is to create that tension. Um, you can always improve, uh, joint, uh, mobility and range of motion so you can work on your flexibility um but you always this is a good thing that i wanted to say was with regards to like the working with the nervous system is um you know each you have to i think of the nervous system as an overprotective mother Mm. um when when you're trying to do uh, a particular movement and you injure yourself um is you're you basically end up getting restricted and pulled back into um, a more confined space as far as your, mm-hmm. your body is concerned. And so it's kind of like your mom being like, all right, you went out and played with your friends. You got hurt. It's like, you ain't going out again. Um, you're coming back. Go to your room. Um, yeah, go to your room. And it's like, you're not leaving the house because I can't trust you. And that's the big thing is like, you have to build trust with the nervous system again to mm-hmm. essentially allow your mom to give you the freedom to be able to go back outside. And so mm-hmm. you're, you're working with your nervous system. You're working with these ranges, um, these intensities and, and everything. Um, but to allow the body to open up more and be able to express itself better, um, yeah, you have to work with the, with the nervous system. Otherwise, mm-hmm. you can try performing the movement. You know, you can be doing it for years and just never see improvement. So there is some level of like you're just not – you're not – applying stress in the right manner Mm -hmm. you're not giving your body the proper 
um, time to adapt and recover. Um, you know, it's the nervous system, particularly with regards to flexibility training, is really quite important. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I say uh, romance the nervous system, right? You can't just uh, tell it what to do. You have to like uh, romance yeah, it and kind of yeah. <laughs> yeah, gently nudge it in the right direction. That's why I, I really love breathing exercises, right? You got to like uh, do the, like the really long exhales to activate that vagus nerve to put you in that calm, relaxed state yeah. so you can actually uh, fall into the positions that you're trying to trying to get into. Mm. Cool, man. Well, this has been a great conversation about longevity and kind of things to think about as we are, you know, every day getting a little bit older. <laughs> and so maybe just to finish off the conversation, I'll give you uh, my rubric or kind of formula for what I think constitutes health and what are the th key things to focus on to, um, you know, uh, uh, improve our longevity or like work on longevity, have that kind of like image in mind and then uh, work back towards it. Uh, and you know, we can just finish off on this and you can tell me what you think about it. And th this touches on a lot of things we've already talked about, but, um, I think my, my number one most important thing, which is almost like the, the base for all the pillars to go s stack on top of, I, th I think breathing practice is very important. Um, you know, making sure that your breathing practice, your, your breathing is um, efficient enough at helping with like optimizing oxygen intake, uh, whether that be for a bunch of things that could be stress reduction, that could be working on your like uh, mindfulness aspect of it. It could even be for improving athletic performance. But this, I think breathing and practicing breathing is the one movement that can have the biggest impact on the rest of your health if you just do that one movement consistently compared to any other other movement. And then off of that, then I think, then you have like physical activity, your nutrition, the environment you're in, your mental health, which I combined with like the social connections that you have in your life. And then lastly, what you do for your recovery. I think if you kind of focus on those, what is it like six uh, things, um, and pick out each one of them is a, is a huge topic of its own. So you, you, you know, you have to pick and choose certain things from within them that are really important to you. And then with that, you can build that image that we we're talking about of what your goal is, you know, in 10 years, 20 years, three years, when you're an 80 or 90 year old and how to work back towards that. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think, I think all those things are great. Um, I, I always would, yeah, I would think that, you know, obviously relative to who you would talk to, like in what particular order would those things go? I think mm -hmm. that's where some of the differences, uh, maybe an opinion might be as opposed to like, if any, any one of those things are important or not. Um, I, I think most people would agree that the, all those things are, um, and, and so the, that's why I go back to like the idea of like stress management. Um, it's, you know, you from a mental capacity, uh, from some mental, physical, spiritual, like all these parts is like to be, to be able to reach your optimal state, whatever that might be for you. It's like, you need some, you need enough stress to elicit that, um, response mm -hmm. and then be able to recover and adapt to that. And just applying that to, to each individual in whatever aspects of life they're trying to work. Um, 
you know, even even doing something like this, right? The idea and concept of doing like public speaking, mm -hmm. um, like there are stages to to working on it. Um, there's a process. There's um, you can't just throw somebody out um, out off the deep end and have them performing in the stadium. Like it's just not gonna mm -hmm. it's just not gonna work. So um, yeah, I think it's very much so in in any aspect of life in any profession. Um, if you want to become a master at your craft, like, like there's this idea of like, yeah, managing expectations, stress management, incorporating all these things that you just mentioned. Um, mm -hmm. it's, it's this idea of like balance is interesting to me. Um, mm -hmm. I think most people think about balance as far as like, there's this imaginary linear line that, that everything has to be balanced around. Um, and so they try to balance every single day with every aspect of their life, like as far as like their relationships work and everything. And then mm -hmm. they kind of driving themselves crazy. Um, mm -hmm. it's like a little bit of everything each day doesn't really add up. It's like, you could focus on one thing here, one thing there, and yeah. then kind of build the balance that way. But if you try to do everything all at once, it's not going to work. And you're not going to improve very much. Um, mm -hmm. so if you actually think about it with regards to like physical fitness, you can't do everything at once, right? Typically you're going to have like phases and cycles and, um, you're going to see how that fits into your greater long-term like goals for like a year or five years. But, you know, you might have a three month like strength phase. You might have a three month, I don't know, flexibility phase or whatever, um, I think in life as well, it's like, that's actually how we find better balance is finding ways to like adjust, um, our plan to, to fit what's, what's necessary, but having these kind of phased out, um, yeah, cycles is really quite important. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. You gotta make a plan, an overarching plan and the steps leading up to that plan. You know, it's like, there's going to be different steps, right? Like first, you, like say when you're baking a, baking a cake, like first you mix the ingredients, then you put it in the oven to bake. Like those are two completely different things, right? Like you can't do it all at once. And so it, it make you got to focus on uh, certain things that are precursors for the later things, right? You can't do the later things that don't have you, if you don't have the precursors. So yeah, mm -hmm. very cool. All right. Thank you so much. I'd, maybe one final question to finish off. This is a bit of a fun one that I want to have. Sure. Is there something you can think of with regards to health and fitness, longevity, anything that we've talked about that you've changed your mind on recently? It could be in the last six months, year. Like what have you kind of, what did you used to think was one way and now you've kind of softened your position or maybe even gone completely the opposite way? I can give you an example um, if you're still thinking. Yeah. Are you still thinking of something? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, my my example is uh, I've been um, uh, I've been training for my half marathon, which is coming up on October fifteenth. And prior to this, um, when I would run, in terms of the running technique, I would always think that it's best to always uh, be on the ball of your foot and never heel strike. Because uh, I just thought, oh, you want to use your Achilles tendon as like this. Uh, way of kind of bouncing yourself kind of doing like single leg bounding and kind of I've, I've changed my mind on that to say now that I think it it makes sense to adjust your running technique uh, 
based on kind of the situation you're in. Sometimes it makes sense to heel strike and sometimes it makes sense to be on your forefoot. It just depends on the uh, situation and, and kind of, uh, you know, what you're, what you're trying to do. Okay. Um, yeah, I suppose not necessarily like recently, but, um, I do think that, um, like flexibility training is, is significantly more important than I would have originally thought. Mm -hmm. Um, because I did, I did none when I was, you know, in playing, you know, in younger days and playing football. Mm -hmm. Um, and it was not even until like, I didn't even really start doing flexible training until about, um, maybe about seven years ago. Um, you know, I still couldn't touch my toes at that, at that point really. But, um, wow. But, as I delve deeper and deeper into it and I look at it through the lens of, I look at training flexibility from a strength, like using strength protocols mm -hmm. and then training them in the flexibility world. Um, yeah, I do find that it's, it's, that tends to be some of the biggest problems that, that people have that in combination with, you know, joint, joint discomforts and joint issues. Um, it's just, so like I had Nirvana strength and it's like in that realm, like it was just like a lot of people who were already kind of interested in really high level performers. But mm -hmm. now I've kind of like just more and more I'm getting out into the normal world where I'm dealing with more normal um, people. And mm -hmm. I find that it's even become a more and more of, of a bigger issue than even probably bigger than I would have realized. Um yeah, because so people come I, yeah. to come to uh, personal trainers and they say, "My number one goal is to either lose weight or gain muscle mass." No, not very few people are coming to a personal trainer and saying, "I want better flexibility." <laughs> but in reality, yeah. it's like it's the flexibility that they need because, you know, in in order to build muscle, like you're saying, like if you, if your back is rounded, you can't really do really good squats with heavy weight to be able to build muscle on your legs. So you, yeah. in order to do the things you want to do. You need flexibility. Flexibility is just range of motion. If you don't have range of motion, then you can't get strong in that, <laughs> in that range. That's, that's yeah. as simple as that. Yeah. 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 No, this is just perfectly correct. You know, I think, and, and I think yeah, fitness professionals should yeah, think about ways of incorporating some level of like flexibility training into their programming because Again, like you said, it's um, like we were talking about having a chronically like flexed spine. It's um, if you're not able to figure out a way to help them gain greater thoracic extension, it's like they can't perform the movements properly. Um, mm -hmm. So, yeah, I think that um, even our conversations and like everything that we talked about today, um, it's very kind of like anti-system. Like there's a there's a general perspective of like the fitness system you know, health world where everybody's supposed to kind of go down the same path. Um, mm -hmm. You know, as I like the, the concept of like the matrix, right. It's like escaping the system. Um, mm -hmm. And they, but now it's actually like with doing these kind of like podcasts and educational things, it's, it's actually trying to go back into the system and trying to get people to understand like a different state of mind um, mm -hmm. with regards to their health that, kind of helps them break from what is the normal expectations of the individual. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because, you know, if you just kind of, 
do the most like mainstream kind of search for what like fitness workout you should do, you know, you're going to get like squat, yeah. bench, deadlift. And, you know, that's, it's great. Those are fun ways to, to train and get stronger, but it's, it's just not for everybody. So, you know, it's a, it's important to consider all that. Like when it comes to physical activity, there's just so many qualities that you can train, right? You can get stronger, yeah. faster, more flexible, better endurance. You got aerobic anaerobic capacity. Uh, what else you got? Like I, I wrote down a few of them. Like it's, it's, it's like, there's no end to the things, your agility, your power, your body composition, reaction time, like, so you can find something that you're interested in at improving <laughs> and you can find some yeah. sort of activity that incorporates that, that is interesting and fun to you. So yeah, it's uh, important to find that and then re realize that in order to be able to do that for a long time, you need to have the body, you know, capacity. And that comes through, like we said, the range of motion through the flexibility, but also the tissue integrity, the soft tissue, especially uh, that, and that mm. takes, a long time to develop and it comes through that awareness that we talked about yeah 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 for sure for sure any final uh thoughts before we finish the podcast um yeah i think you know i would i would encourage people to you know obviously hire i would say hire a coach you know no matter even i you know like um understanding your there's a there's your side as a coach and there's your side as an athlete um mm -hmm. you know I, I i get to the point where um you know i'm coaching a lot of like people and helping them with their programming and their training and i end up kind of like leaving my athlete side for the for the end so i get tired of training myself um i even find it very beneficial to for even for myself to hire coaches that i trust to to program for me and you know, I send them videos of what I do and get their feedback. And so um, I think constantly understanding that it's good to get, you know, observational feedback from from people that you respect um, mm -hmm. to get different kinds of programming from different kinds of people um, and explore these different uh, areas of movement um, and, and just constantly keep up the, the learning process and know that you're just you're always going to be a student of the self. Um, because as you progress, because nobody has, um, nobody has experience in, in aging, um, like you only do it one time, you know? <laughs> so it's like, as much as you can get information from other people, it's like, you're not actually experiencing until you go through it. And, you know, you're, you're as an, you as an individual are going to be constantly figuring out, um, what it, what all of the information that you're taking in actually applies to you and works with you the best. So mm -hmm. you're, you're, you're always going to be a student of the self. Um, mm -hmm. and as you kind of explore things, as you move forward, um, you know, obviously incorporate all the components that you had talked about, you know, being able to rest and recover properly, um, among the other things, mm -hmm. um, longevity is not just, um, food and fitness. It's, you know, what the, what are the social circles you're in? You know, what's your environment? Mm -hmm. Like those things are also mm -hmm. very important. So, um, yeah, find things to focus on and find a, a better way to balance in a more systematic way. Mm -hmm. Very cool, man. I love that. Yeah. I love, uh, what you said, um, you know, stay a student, uh, a student of, of the self, but also I think, like you said, getting a coach be, it's such a, 
an important relationship that that student teacher relationship uh, especially like when you find someone that you really connect with that you really respect that has all this uh, knowledge and information that uh, you know could be beneficial to you and just like taking the time through this relationship to extract that and and uh, incorporate that into yourself it's it, it it's one of the things that I think makes life great so uh, you know, not participating in that is doing yourself a disservice. So thanks. Thanks yeah. for, that, for those final words. Great, oh, man. man. This has been a great podcast. Thank you so much for coming on the state yeah. of health. And uh, yeah, if uh, you ever want to come back on and discuss other things uh, related to health and fitness, always welcome to. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. Um, yeah. If people want to um, find me, they can look on uh, Instagram on just look for my name, Stoic Mobility. Um, also stoicmobility.com. Um, I have a website up with some information and free resources there as well. Is that where people can sign up for your workshops? Uh, they can yeah, find out more information about the workshops there, either through Instagram or, or the website. Um, so I have a lot of, yeah, a lot of workshops coming up and uh, some online programming stuff as well. Awesome. Great. Thank you. So, thanks for sharing all that. Okay. Thank you. Thank you so much for watching or listening till the end of the podcast. If you have any follow-up questions or comments, please reach out through social media at jmartfit on Twitter and Instagram or send an email to jmartfit at substack.com. Have a good week and till next time.